the psalm that is appointed for today, we hear this amazing line. The psalmist writes, For God alone my soul in silence waits. Truly there is my hope. For God alone my soul in silence waits. Silence is a difficult thing to talk about. It's mostly antithetical to the way that we live our lives today, lives that are generally noisy and full of action. We value doing things, saying things, being occupied with things. There's another simple reason why silence is hard to talk about, and this should make sense. Once you start to talk about it, you're no longer being silent. But the fact of the matter is that silence is one of the core ways that we not only wait for God, as the psalmist says, but experience God. A life of the spirit that is without silence is a life of the spirit that is missing an entire range of the ways that we can know and feel God in our lives. It's not just in the Psalms. Of course, Jesus' own life embraced silence. His ministry is bookmarked by it. After his baptism, the gospel says that he was, went out into the wilderness to fast and to pray. And I can guarantee you, it was silent. The wilderness of the Sinai Desert is almost completely silent, except for the sound of the wind. Hardly any creature lives there at all, and so it's hard even to hear a bird. There's a special kind of holiness that comes over you when you are immersed in silence that is that deep. Of course, at the end of his life, the night before he was crucified, Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. The disciples were unable to stay up with him and instead slept. But Jesus, the gospel says, prayed. And my guess is that it was a silent kind of night, one of those when you can feel that something is coming, a sense of anticipation. And you can just imagine Jesus sitting in the garden on an evening, in the warmth, feeling the silence uphold him as his own soul waited for God in that moment. So you can see, silence is not a kind of newfangled spiritual practice. It's actually written into the gospel. And for centuries upon centuries, Christian mystical masters have practiced silence. They could not see it as any way divorced from their own spiritual practice. In fact, it was woven into it for them. This fact can get a little bit lost, not only because of the noisy times in which we live, but also because of the way that we ourselves worship and for the type of worship that is valued in American Christianity in 21st century. That type of Christianity tends to be very loud indeed. Even in a liturgical tradition like ours in the Episcopal Church, which seems much more subdued than if you went to some megachurch somewhere, it's still quite noisy around here. 
If you were here for the past two Sundays, you would have heard the clanking of the radiator over here. But that's not even what I'm talking about. From the moment we walk into the church, we hear beautiful music, and perhaps we are engaged in a conversation with someone that we haven't seen for a week, or perhaps even two. We begin to sing hymns, we hear the scripture, we say prayers together, but there are very few moments when silence punctuates this liturgy at all. And sometimes I wonder if we might benefit just a little bit from having some space to allow our souls to sit in silence for God. Well, if that isn't happening in church necessarily, there certainly are times in our lives, perhaps even on a daily basis, when we can sit alone in silence and wait for God. I was introduced to this practice by a very special person. When I was in college, we had a chaplain And she took me aside in the spring semester and said she wanted to teach me how to do something. She sat me down and taught me how to sit with my posture relatively comfortable but still alert, and then simply to sink into a silent prayer, waiting for God. I was about 20 years old when she did that, and I can't say that I have practiced that every single day since, something far from it. But because this person took the time to teach me how to be silent, I've had this gift as part of my life for more than half of the years that I've been on this planet. And I will have it until my dying breath. What it means is that even when I get overwhelmed and distracted or if there is too much noise, I always have this tool in my back pocket that will allow me to reconnect, to become grounded, to be reminded of what is important and what is not important. And most of all, to open my heart to God and to God's presence. If you are able to be silent, and that includes each and every one of us, then you have this tool as well. And it is always with you. All you have to do is practice it. Now here, many years later, this very special person passed away last summer. And I was reminded of the fact that simply giving me this gift is something that will live on beyond her own legacy. And it's something that every time I practice, I think of her. What a beautiful and amazing thing that simply silence can be. When you sit in silence, a couple of things happen. The first thing that happens is you begin to feel your breath slow down. You feel your heart rate calm. And then your thoughts kind of even out. And it's pretty much a relief. But then after that, a struggle begins. Sometimes thoughts that you normally don't have or things that you had forgotten about intrude on the silence. Sometimes you start to think about things and obsess about them, and it's very difficult to let go of them. That's the struggle of the whole thing. But then if you're able to remind yourself or to simply ask those thoughts to go away, you realize that you've 
plowed a space in your own heart and in your own mind to hear God. That those voices were chattering away that whole time, but that you have devoted a little bit of time and space to try to push them to the side so that in that moment, you truly can sit alone with your soul and wait for God. What a tremendous gift. What a wonderful thing that is available to each and every one of us. There's an Episcopal priest named Cynthia Bourgeau. She lives in upstate New York and leads silent retreats. Our own Chris Lee, who was ordained in this parish several years ago, when he was in seminary, went on a retreat with her. He didn't know what it was when he got there. And he was surprised to learn when he arrived that he had to spend eight whole days not uttering a single word. Can you imagine? A community based in silence has a very different feel from a community based in talking. A strange thing develops because you start to have feelings and relationships with people even without speaking to them. And it gets to the root of a certain kind of matter of how we relate to one another. Cynthia Bourgeau's ministry is so powerful because she is embracing silence and sharing it with people in a modern world where silence is not valued. Cynthia Bourgeau says this about silence, and I think it's very powerful. She says, silence is not an absence, but a presence. It is a something, not a nothing. You can lean into it, and it leans back. It meets you. It holds you up. Isn't that interesting? Have you ever thought of silence not as an absence, but as a presence? as something that you can lean on when you actually need some support. The thing about silence is that you really only notice it's there when you create some space for it. That thing that holds us up, that thing that is a presence and not an absence, is a mechanism, a vehicle, by which we can discover God. It is an entire scaffolding, a structure that is there for every single person and every single community to help connect us to God. And that's why the psalmist is praising it in Psalm 62. That's why Jesus turned to it at the most crucial moments of his life. And that's also something that we, each and every one of us, can turn to as well. I want to talk about one specific challenge to embracing the silence. And that's these things. I have it up here in the pulpit because every week we record our sermons on our voice memo apps that we can then publish to our website as our podcast. And you're more than welcome to listen to this podcast after the church service as well. But when this special priest taught me how to be silent, it was still about four or five years before smartphones had entered the market. And for those of you who are over a certain age and not addicted to your phones, God bless you. You're very fortunate. And actually have a little bit of pity on those who are younger than you who are trying to sit alone in silence and wait for God. 
You actually are the people that the rest of us are leaning on to teach us and remind us what it's like not to have a supercomputer in your pocket all the time right there to distract you. Now listen, I'm not anti-phone per se. I think they do so many amazing things for us. And you can actually use your phone to help you sit in silence. Although I have a little bit of a conflicted feeling about this. There are plenty of apps that are out there that, can, that have gotten people into the practice of meditation. Or you can just simply set a timer on your phone that will tell you when the time that you wanted to sit is over. But by and large, if we're being honest, that's not how we're using our phones. One of the things that silence teaches you is how to be quiet with yourself and with God. But with these little buggers around all the time, there's constantly a temptation to fill every single second with some kind of distraction or some kind of communication or some kind of information download. The other day I went to a doctor's appointment. The PA took me into the doctor's office, into the examination room, and said the doctor would be right in. First thing I did was pull my phone out. Why? Well, I needed to know the news of what was going on. But I was sitting there for like 90 seconds. And the doctor came in and I thought, I couldn't just sit in silence for 90 seconds? That's a little sad. It's not a small thing. Because a generation of people that is not able to sit in silence and wait on God is truly giving up a whole lot of great stuff that comes along with that. If you're not able to sit in silence with your own thoughts, with your own pain, with your own concerns, it makes it almost impossible to sit with someone else's. And that severely impacts our capacity to be empathetic towards one another. A generation of people who is unable to be silent and undistracted will very soon turn into a group of people who are at each other's throats, who are unable to understand each other, who are constantly talking over each other. And doesn't that sound exactly like where we are today? So, if any of this has been convincing in any kind of way, you're probably wondering, well, I actually might use a little bit of help sitting in silence as well. Well, don't turn to me because I'm not an expert or a master on it. But there are some simple things that we can do. Believe it or not, Lent is just around the corner. It begins on Valentine's Day, February 14th. And if you're looking for some kind of spiritual discipline to take on, maybe silence is a good one for you. Our very own Allegra Lovejoy will once again lead a centering prayer group. And so if you want to make that a part of your spiritual discipline, you can. There's plenty of materials out there on the internet to learn about sitting in silence and waiting for God. But it really all comes down to this. You just do it. You could spend five minutes a day sitting in a chair. You'd be amazed at how much it changes the way that you see the world, how much it changes your relationship with God. And I highly recommend it, even if it's not something that you're able to do each and every day. 
Because there's truly nothing like having that tool in your back pocket to do exactly what the psalmist says, to wait in silence for God. A couple of months back, Allegra led us in one of her first sermons in a moment of silence. And many of you remarked on what a powerful moment that was to sit in silence in a room of people. So I suggest that this Sunday morning, to end this time together in the sermon portion, that we spend just one minute alone. Allow your soul to sit in silence for this one minute. For God alone, my soul in silence waits. Truly, there is my hope. Amen.